but I really want to kind of do justice to what uh, the Lord is going to uh, say to us right now as we turn to the book of Galatians. And really, th- this is, we're starting a new series next week. We, uh, have, we had Easter kind of celebrated last week. I want to just take the opportunity, oh, you were right. I would, I would have gone on the whole time. And <laughs> great to have a wife that can uh, point these things out. <laughs> Look at that. Um, it would have, yeah, anyway, so I thought, hey, we've got another opportunity to talk about another aspect of life in the Spirit. That was our previous series. We just got one little week where I thought, there's just one thing I'd just love to, to go back to, to expand on, to spend time on, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, it, you see how it's linked with everything. The fruit is to do with the heart. The fruit is to do with the root. The fruit is to do with where, where, thing, where fruit comes from, what something is. It's nature, and we'll look at that together. So I wonder if you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll uh, read from verse 13, I, I think, onwards, just a few verses there. And it, fruit of the Spirit might be very familiar to some, to others. It might be, well, that's a strange expression. What's all that about? Well, we're going to find out now as we read in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious." Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, you might have patience in your version, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So what is the, the spirit, what, sorry, what is the fruit? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, all those things that he has kind of uh, um, listed there, and uh, I'm sure others besides. And these are qualities that most of us would admire, I hope at least. I, I walked um, past King's Kitchen the other day, and there was this massive platter of fruit there, and I just couldn't help myself. Um, I know that's not a fruit of the spirit, is it? Anyway, I, I could help myself, but I decided... <laughs> that it would be a good thing to tuck in. And uh, so I, the, the conference guests, I think, had favoured the cake that, that day and uh, left this fruit. It was just pretty, it's wonderful colours. There was a watermelon there. And I tell you, when you get a watermelon on the right day, it's just superb. So I tucked in, enjoyed this fruit. Fruit is enjoyable. It's good for you. It looks good. It's healthy. And so it is with this kind of fruit here that we've been reading about. These are good things. They, they look good. I mean, most of us, as I say, would identify that these are, these are qualities that we all want in our life, right? All of them are good. Peace, patience, kindness, love, gentleness, forbearance, these kind of 
things. It looks good, it tastes good, they do us good, and they do other people good. But the interesting thing about this fruit, as others have pointed out, I'm not the first to discover it, I'm sure, is it's fruit singular, which um, I've kind of got a, a platter of fruit I did there, but really Paul is talking about a thing that kind of goes together. There's a they all come together. Gifts of the Spirit, as we've looked at before, the Holy Spirit distributes in different ways to different ones of us. We might be particularly kind of empowered by God in a particular aspect or area of service, um, whatever that may be. But we're also painfully aware that we have gaps and there are things that, you know, just I can't do. I'm just not very good at that. Even when I try to do it, I don't... I'm not particularly effective in it. And we need one another because God equips different ones of us in different ways so that together we make up the body of Christ and we can uh, express and bring his kingdom in, uh, in, in different ways together. Well, the fruit singular of the Spirit is not like that. It's for all, all of us, all followers of Jesus, are to grow in all of these ways, kind of in a, in a balanced way, if you like. It's not that you can just pick one and say, well, I'm a particularly joyful person. That's how God has really kind of worked his spirit in me. But and, you, know, do you know what? I'm really impatient. That's just, it's just a little thing that I have. But there are other people around me that are more patient than me. That's not the idea of the fruit singular of the spirit. The supernatural deal about this is that we grow in all of them together, this whole suite of qualities. Now, there are different ones of us, perhaps naturally we might think, like, I'm joyful or I'm patient or whatever it might be. But the supernatural element, the real mark of the Spirit is that we grow wonderfully in all of these things. Wow, how does that happen? How on earth are we to grow in all of those things? Well, of course, it's not an earthly thing. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. And so we're, here we are in our, in our series about uh, the Holy Spirit. With The Holy Spirit is the one who grows these fruits, who produces these fruits in our lives, all together. And he does that, and this is particularly was on my mind in terms of preparing, and in, we'll, we'll use it for our structure. The Holy Spirit helps us produce these fruit, singular, by revealing reality to us, by revealing the truth to us, by revealing who Jesus is, and as we shall see, who we are. Jesus said in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And he, he changes us. He produces this fruit in, in us as he reveals the reality to us about how things really are. So reality becomes not only perceivable, but receivable to us. We see how things really are, and we take hold of it. And so with that in mind, I've, my title was kind of uh, Growing in the Fruits of the Spirit. But really, if you want a strap line for it, it's get a, get a grip on reality. Getting a grip on reality, to try and make it much more practical. Growing in the fruit of the Spirit can sound a bit out there, and what, what is that? And we'll look at that, obviously. But really, I want you to understand the practical nature of this, that as reality is revealed to us by the Spirit, he does so in a way that allows us to take hold of it, to see how things really are, and to act and to walk appropriately and accordingly, so we're not kind of bumping around in the dark. I was sharing this with Steve Hope recently, just chatting to him about what the Lord was laying on my heart and just as I was looking at this passage. And he reminded me that something about something that Tim Keller said in a book, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. And I thought it, it, it kind of captures a little bit of what, where we're going. Uh, he writes, Remember the disciples on Pentecost. They went out and spoke the gospel in public with such a wonderful lack of self-consciousness that some thought they had had too much to drink. 
But their boldness was unlike being drunk in the most important respect. Alcohol is a depressant. It deadens parts of the rational brain. The happiness you may feel when you are drunk comes because you are less aware of reality. God's Spirit, however, gives you a joyful fearlessness by making you more aware of reality. It assures you that you're a child of the only one whose opinion and power matters. You see that contrast between the counterfeit, which is alcohol, and how you might feel and act when you're under the influence there. But when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's because we see reality more clearly. We see how things really are, and our behavior and what we do is expressed. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Wine is the counterfeit. The Spirit is the the reality, the real thing. So we're going to look at some aspects of reality that the Holy Spirit reveals to us and that produces this amazing fruit in our lives. All these things together. Paul talks a lot about who we are in this passage. So the first thing we want to look at is the reality of who we are. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who we actually are. He says we belong to Christ. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. He says, we live by the Spirit. In fact, it really should be, I mean, it is in my translation, since we live by the Spirit. He's assuming something about them. You live by the Spirit. You were born again by the Spirit. Your life has come about by the Spirit, this new life that you now have in God. You are sustained by the Holy Spirit moment by moment. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit in all that you do as you follow Jesus. We have this intimate now relationship with the Holy Spirit. Once they were of the flesh, flesh being that part of us, the old self that is part of the old creation that is falling away, part of the the bit that was fallen in Adam, the bit that is hostile to God, that aspect of us, it's, it's, that, that was hostile to God. This new nature that's been born again by the Spirit is just gloriously, wonderfully in awe of who God is and has bowed the knee to him, has seen a, a, a revelation of God in the person of Jesus that's captured our hearts so much. That's a work of the Spirit. We're born again by the Spirit and suddenly we see God for who he is in the person of Jesus He says, now you live by the Spirit, since you live by the Spirit. It's who you are. And as we live by the Spirit, as we're indwelt by the Spirit, as we're saturated in the Spirit, soaked in the Spirit, and I hope you kind of picked up the emphasis on the Spirit through our our series, Life in the Spirit. We have this one, the whole of our lives is lived in the context of the Holy Spirit, the very presence and power of God amongst us. As we do that, we begin to bear the family likeness of God who is himself loving and patient and kind and good and faithful. He is the source of all of these qualities because he is like them fully and perfectly. Wayne Grudem says in his excellent and thorough systematic theology, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the immediate presence of God himself. And it, therefore, will result in feeling what God feels in desiring what God desires, in doing what God wants, in speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's strength, and knowing with the knowledge which God himself gives. This is important because it's producing these fruit. It's not something that you can kind of manufacture on the outside. It's not simply about actions. It's about attitudes. It's not simply about deeds. It's about desires. 
And it's, you, you can't kind of just manufacture your desires. They're really at a base level of who you are. And so wonderfully, we read here that we, are, we have a new nature, which is the source of these qualities amongst us as they, and growing qualities. People are often talked about, when they talk about fruits of the Spirit, a, a tree produces fruit that it is its nature to produce. I think that's, they probably labor it a little, they probably say a little bit better than I have just then. But an, an orange tree produces oranges. An apple tree produces apples. And this is the basis of us producing this fruit. It's not that we manufacture. We have to try harder and, and do something as if we would stick oranges onto, a, onto an apple tree. But knowing who we are, that our nature, if you're a follower of Jesus, your nature is new. You're not what you once were. This nature is of the spirit, not of the flesh. And it will produce this fruit in us. It takes away striving. Now, there are some things that we need to do to walk in the Spirit, and we'll come to that, but here's where it all starts. I don't know if you've noticed how unhelpful it is. Has everyone ever said to you, cheer up? Does that immediately cheer you up? <laughs> cheer up. I've got, my face is, uh, is kind of, my resting face is kind of like, looks quite sad. So people say that to me a lot. I, I don't mind. You're very welcome to, to say it to me. But uh, it doesn't work very much. Um, or what about if they say to you, calm down? Who finds that helpful? <laughs> calm down. Oh, lucky you said that. <laughs> I was about to get a little bit carried away. Um, control yourself. Be patient. <laughs> How does that help? Be patient. <laughs> you can't manufacture these things. They're not kind of switched on and switched off. They come from something very deep within us, these qualities. So it's helpful to recognize that actually they don't come from us. They have their root in God, and they have their root in the Spirit, and we're born again by the Spirit. It's wonderfully, actually, I'll just read that now. This, um, it's, this is sometimes attributed to John uh, Bunyan, but I, I'm not quite sure who originally said it. Different versions of this. He wrote, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel b- brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings can't just say, do this, do that, and expect us to produce this fruit. But the gospel comes to us, which is a declaration about what Jesus has done for us, the grace of God that's come for us, and the new nature that we have in him. And the Spirit empowers us to do those things which we were previously powerless to do. It comes from our new nature. In Hosea uh, chapter 14, verse 8, the Lord says, from me comes your fruit. From me comes your fruit. Here's the source of all these wonderful qualities, gloriously they, uh, and bearing them fully in himself, in his very nature. So we're born again by the Spirit with a new nature in Christ. And the question here is, can we get a grip on that? We're to get a grip on it. Can you understand your new nature? Can you recognize your new nature? In a sense, can you rest in your new nature? It takes away striving. I say there are some things that we will do, but this needs to be the foundation. I'm a, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. The Spirit reveals to us the reality of who we are in Christ, our new nature. The next thing the Spirit reveals is the reality that we are on the receiving end of this fruit. We haven't got to what we do yet. Where it's our new nature, uh, not because of anything we did. In fact, we failed to live up to these kind of, uh, we didn't act in this way, in all kinds of ways, and, uh, and continue to do so, in fact. But there's a new nature that's come to us that is beginning to manifest this particular fruit. But also, we are on the receiving end of God, who is kind and loving and gentle and patient to us uh, every moment of every day. We love because he first loved us. We, uh, sometimes people talk about values being caught, not taught. But these 
Virtues are like that too. Can't just say to someone, have these virtues. But as the Lord loves us, as he treats us in this way, as from the, from the first birth as a, a newborn again believer, the love of God is ministered to us by the Holy Spirit such that we know, such that you know that God loves you, that he's patient with you. I hope you know how patient he is with you. I know how patient he is with me. He doesn't fly off the handle. We, when we kind of mess up, when we kind of continue to sin sometimes, he gently comes after us. He brings correction. He brings discipline. But it's not in a heavy-handed way. It's not in a cross way. Sometimes we can think about perhaps the way we've been treated by others in the past, perhaps your own parents. That's not how the Lord treats us. That's not how our Heavenly Father treats us. It's with this fruit of the Spirit. He's the source of these things. It's gentle. It's kind. It's patient. We are on the receiving end of this Wonderful fruit, moment by moment, day by day. How he loves us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, even when we were far away from him. In fact, before the creation of the world, he decided that he would send his son. Such was his love for us. And that was before we were believers. Now, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are He's patient with us. He invites us to share in his joy. He's faithful to his promises and the things that he has said to us. You can rely on him. We wonderfully are on the receiving end of this fruit, which helps us grow up and grow and and produce this fruit in our own lives. As we catch it from him, it's our nature, but he helps us and grows us uh, to produce this fruit. The third aspect of reality that the Spirit reveals to us, uh, particularly in this passage, is the war within us. And I hope it doesn't come to a shock to, to us as we read that. But the fruits of the, of the Spirit are contrasted with the deeds of the flesh. In fact, the desires of the Spirit are contrasted with the desires of the flesh. There is this war within us. That's really helpful to know. So that Paul says, you are not always to do whatever you feel like. You're not always to do whatever you feel like. That's really helpful advice, isn't it? It's a basic schoolboy foundational error for the Christian to simply do what they feel like all the time because it misses the reality of the war within us. There's the flesh still with its desires and wants and there's the spirit which is coming through this new creation, this new nature, but there's a war often that's going on between them that manifests in different ways. It's naive to think that as a Christian you simply do whatever you feel like at the time. We need to understand this reality. It can also be very disorientating. You think, well, I'm a Christian now. Why do I feel like that? Why am I tempted to do that? Why does that look like a really good course of action when I kind of also know it's not going to be a course of action? Why is this war going on in, in, in me? Well, it should encourage us in some respects because it's because we could do those things before without kind of thinking twice about it. I don't know if you're like me. I could, I could live a certain way before I, I became a follower of Jesus, and it didn't really trouble me that much. Then the Spirit began to move, and I began to get more troubled. And then there was a new nature that came as I put my trust in Jesus. And then the battle really hot, hotted up. What is the choice that I'm going to make? Suddenly there's this battle going on. I kind of want to do that, but actually I think this is the right way to go. question uh, has been asked, of course, how can we tell which is which? How can we tell the desires of the flesh, the desires of the spirit? How can you work it out? And I love Paul's answer. It's obvious. <laughs> it's obvious. That what Paul, that's, you know, I understand there's a battle going on in me, but how can I choose which is which? Now, what is the right thing to do? He goes, it's obvious. Is it not obvious when you think about it? At least initially. He says, 
about the deeds of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, and the like. It's not like, oh, I didn't, oh, that's, that's extraordinary. I mean, m- maybe our culture has kind of deadened our awareness of those things. Maybe the things we've been exposed to has deadened our awareness. When the spirit comes, this new nature comes, there's this, whoa, okay, <laughs> that's, that's not the right way to go. I don't want to live like that anymore. There's something in us, our nature, which turns away from those things. Sexual activity outside of marriage, therefore, between a man and a woman, is an act of the flesh. Sex is for marriage, between a man and a woman. That's the context for it. It's obvious, says Paul. Hatred. When you, when you really hate someone, you want something bad to happen of them. Is, is that a work of the spirit or the flesh? Well, let me kind of... It's obvious that you, you don't have to think too much about it. Now, you do have to spend a lot of time sometimes. In fact, it can take many years to... Uh, to find a justification, perhaps, of the things that you want to do. Or perhaps it can take many years to, to quench uh, a sensitivity to something being wrong. But actually, Paul says it's, it's obvious. The Spirit reveals to us there's a natural moving away from the old way of living and embracing of the new way. But don't think it's not a battle. And don't think it doesn't involve our will. And we'll look at some things that are going to help us with that in just a moment. We are not always to do whatever we want. We're to get a grip on reality that we're in a war. We're on a war footing, and the decisions and the things that we do need to be seen in that context. The fourth reality that the Spirit reveals to us here is our freedom to choose, our responsibility to choose right, and our ability to choose right. Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, because he knows that they can. He said, you live by the Spirit. Since you live by the Spirit, now here's what I'm telling you to do. Given that basis, given that context, given that you're not trying to produce this in your own strength, Given that you live by the Spirit, now walk by the Spirit. Now, this is very much something that we do. This is involved, suddenly this is involving our will. You see, yeah, we're working up from, from our nature, from the way God treats us and who we are, from this battle that is within us. And now we're being called to act in a certain way. Now we're being called to make decisions based on these things in this context. Since we are uh, live by the Spirit, we're to keep in step with the Spirit. In fact, the defining characteristic of this fruit that it comes through our, our decisions. It's, it's, it's very much part of our free will, if you like, in choosing to do these things that is an intimate and um, necessary part of the fruit itself. If I, someone puts a gun to my head, I, I don't know who, who's... Okay, forget the gun. Um, if someone says, I'll give you a million pounds to be kind to so-and-so, and I go, well, okay, and I'm kind to them, there's something missing about kindness in my actions. There's something that's important which is missing. I, I don't care too who's necessarily about the person I'm being kind to. It's the fact I'm just looking to get this money. What, what if someone, say I, um, okay, say, uh, I, sometimes I, I, I used to like a lot of chocolate. I used to find it difficult to stop eating chocolate. So let's say that someone says, I can, I can help you have some self-control. And they tape up my mouth and tie my hands behind my back and kind of leave me on the floor wriggling about with uh, a bar of Cadbury's kind of nearby. And I don't touch it. I do not eat a speck of that chocolate. That's not self-control, is it? I'm not, it's not me choosing to do it. There's something missing of this virtue. So these virtue, this fruit of the Spirit, it must of necessity come through a decision that we make, an act of the will that does indeed involve a choice. I could do this or I could do this. I could choose the, choose the way of the flesh or I could choose the way of the Spirit. And as we choose the way of the Spirit, that's whether, and we freely do so, that is wonderfully how it's born and birthed in us and produced 
by us. But it comes through a revelation of the truth that the Spirit brings as he turns the lights on and shows us how things really are. Once there was a time when we could not or would not choose God's way. But now, since we are filled with the Spirit, since we're a follower of Jesus, since we belong to Jesus, since we're born again by the Spirit, since you live by the Spirit, Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. Don't totally disengage your brain. Don't just go with your feelings. Think about it. What is the reality of the situation in front of you, who you are, and what is really going on in the world? He says, you've crucified the flesh, which is quite a vivid picture. When you became a Christian, when you chose for Jesus, when you decided to follow him, when you turned away from sin and decided I'm going to trust in Jesus, at that moment, you crucified the flesh with its kind of sinful desires. And it's kind of there, still there, wriggling about. But its power is gone. It has no power over you anymore. It can call out and it can try and persuade you. But you are free in a way that you weren't free before now that you're following Jesus. I can see the time, so I'm going to just, uh, I was going to talk about elephants for a while, but I think you've all, you've all heard the, we don't want to hear about tying elephants to posts, do we? That's, no, that's not a very good thing to do. Um, so we're going to move on to the, finally, you can ask me afterwards about, about that. I'm just, all I'm saying is, and all this is saying is, you're free, you were called to freedom. You're called to freedom, and indeed you are free as you trusted in Jesus. And the Spirit is at work in your life. You can make choices that you could never make before. You can, you can choose. You might think, well, it, it trips me up every time. It, it, I don't seem to be able to walk away from it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can as the Spirit empowers you. You can choose life. You can choose freedom. So finally, let me land with this final um, just talking about the situation in front of us. You can get more specific perhaps in life groups as you talk about these things together. But how is it the Spirit empowers us to will and to act according to God's good purposes in the specific situations that we are in right now? I'm just going to share with you, and I say maybe to pick up in life a little bit more, some questions that I find it helpful to ask. First is, why would I want to be loving and patient and kind in this particular situation? Not, don't, don't think I have to be. Why would I want to be? Because this is, this is the heart of how this fruit is produced. How, how would I, why would I want to be those things in this particular situation? How does, how does the light of God's word reveal the reality of this situation? Okay, not just what I immediately see or I immediately feel, but how does this, how does, like when you're at the cinema and the kind of curtains open up, what is the bigger picture? What is the deeper picture? What is going on behind in this situation that might shed some light on what is going on and what is the spirit leading me to do? So perhaps there's someone that you find difficult, who has hurt you. Why on earth would you want to love them? Why would you want to do them good? And perhaps there is a kind of a secret kind of part of your old self that kind of doesn't really want them to do well in some ways. Perhaps you envy them or you're jealous of them or, or they've hurt you. And there's something of your old self that would want harm to come to you. Why would you want to do good to them? Why would you want to love them? And the, 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 the light of God's word, of course, as we think about it, and the Spirit illuminates. We've already heard it this morning. They're made in the image of God have value because of that. By loving someone self-sacrificially, when they haven't earned it, we displayed what God's love is like, and we glorify him, and that's what we're to do in the world. By, by ourselves, we were loved like this. There's a kind of a, an awkward incongruity if we don't love people in the way that we have been loved, if we don't forgive in the way that we've been forgiven. Sharing and showing the gospel in this way has the power to bring change, is the fact that someone doesn't earn it as we love them, as God loves them. That's where change comes and the Spirit works in their life as well. 
And of course, God will supply all our needs and make up for any loss many, 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 many times over. I don't know if, if the band would like to come back. We might, we might have a little bit of time just to finish in a, in a song. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it to Goff in just a moment. You're going to steer that through, but you might want to get, just, get, just get ready. Let me bring this into land. In fact, why don't we stand together? I'd to pray for us as we, as we finish, because um, many words, but these are God's words. As we looked at God's word together, and now we, Father, we, we thank you for this wonderful new nature that can be ours in Christ. Lord, we thank you you don't just ask us to do something and produce something that we can't do. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful nature of this fruit as we see it. Maybe you're not, even, maybe you're not a Christian this morning, and you, but you know there's something good here about this fruit. Father, we can see there's something good here, and yet by ourselves and in our own strength, we are barren to produce it. I thank you, Lord, for our new nature in Christ. I pray would you, by the Spirit, reveal that to us, who we are in you. I thank you for the way that you love us. You lavish us with your love. You're kind and patient. I pray here that we'll be able to get a grip on that, that perhaps those here who have believed or experienced love in a different way and not quite understood the the kindness and the patience of the way that you love us, Lord, by the Spirit, would you minister that to us. Lord, you've caused it to be written down in your word. You're faithful to your word. This is true. This is real. And I pray your patience and kindness would be something that we experience on a daily basis. Father, I thank you that you empower us to win this war that's sometime, sometimes within us. Shall I choose that way? Shall I choose that way? Well, maybe there are those here this morning that just seem to be in a habit of just choosing the wrong way, choosing the wrong way, maybe believing the lie that I can't, is too late. Lord, I thank you that your word sheds light on that. You called us to freedom. I pray that many of us here this morning would be walking in freedom from this point on. Thank you for one another that we can, uh, we can shed light on our lives and how we're really doing as we kind of share with friends and running partners and others. Lord, I pray there'd be many kind of frank discussions and conversations between us that we're able to help each other and spur one another on. Father, we, we ask that your spirit would be wonderfully revealing the truth of things, of God's word to us. I pray a new perception of truth in your word for each one of us, that we're able to step back from those situations where you might before have flown off the handle or have not been as kind or as patient or as loving, wherever it might be, as you've called us to be, and step back and see the reality of the situation, the glorious reality, and be empowered by the Spirit to produce this fruit to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.